Hi, church. Good to have you here this weekend on the way in. Uh, at all of our campuses, you should have been handed the notes. And if you want to grab those real quick, uh, in just a moment, we will, um, we will use those in our, our series. Um, just, just two quick uh, housekeeping items that I wanted to do. First, uh, give a report. You know, we did our life day uh, over Memorial Day weekend a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, how, did that, how did that turn out? If you didn't get a chance, if you were there, you know. But if you didn't get a chance to go, man, we were thrilled with it. Um, more than three quarters of our church was able to participate uh, in our life day. Uh, it went so well that we were asked several times, are we going to do it next year? And the answer is yes, we are going to do it again next year. We just were thrilled with it. Um, a lot of people, uh, just a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of good things came out of it. But the two things that I noticed uh, that I thought, wow, this is really unique for something like this, we had a number of people who, uh, who came to Christ that weekend. And then we were doing baptisms, but we kind of did a spontaneous uh, thing like, hey, if you're here, you haven't been baptized or you just gave your life to Christ, we ended up baptizing 40 more people. I think we baptized 130 people that day uh, at our life day. So it was just a tremendous time. And we look forward to it. We'll do it next year. And then last but not least, you just heard um, uh, Jack uh, Dodge talk about, the our, one of our children's pastors talk about um, uh, the children's camp. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're sitting up here about yeah. to teach on <laughs> Remarkable Family and it is time to sign up for our camps when we look back over the things that we know. Now, it's married 30 years, raised five children, all of them adults right now. Uh, of, of the five, uh, three of them turned out really well. The other two, we're not sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I bet in the last, which two? Yeah, which two, right? I'm not telling. Um, I'm teasing. What are the things when you look back as a parent that you know that you know were a good investment? I mean, we, sports, uh, you know, all the extracurricular activities, education, vacations, all the things that you yeah. put into it. But what were the things that you look back and you go, you know, spiritually, that made a difference in a kid's life. I can tell you without a, without a doubt, the two things that I know that, that really work for our kids and that we see working in the life uh, of, of other kids, missions and camps. Those are two things yeah. where God just has given the opportunity to do something remarkable. And I would just tell you, it's not a, uh, an opportunity to, to have a weekend away. It's an investment in the life of your kid to, uh, to spiritually uh, grow and to spiritually touch God. When it's all said and done, the things that remain are the spiritual things yes. in life. I'll just, just, that's all that there is to it. And I would encourage you, if you have kids of that age group, get them to go. They'll have fun, they'll be well taken care of. Spiritually speaking, it's the best investment you can make in your child. Trust me on this. You'll, you'll want them to be there. You will never regret it. It's an awesome time. So enough of that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Grab your notes right here. Here's what I wrote on the intro. I want to welcome all of our campuses, not just Lone Tree, uh, Lakewood, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, uh, all of you who are live streaming, all of you who are listening to our series over the past several weeks uh, on Remarkable. I want to welcome you and thank you for being a part of it. It is a special day. Uh, Chris and I don't get the chance to teach together a lot during the year, just once or twice, and this is one of those times that we get to do this. Um, she, she's a little nervous being up here right now, and, and leaned over I to me. I am not. Okay, leaned over to me and <laughs> said, you are going to set this up, right? And I said, no, I thought you were, and that threw her in a, uh, in a loop. So, um, <laughs> just yeah, wait, it, it's just, just wait till he sees what I have to say. Okay, don't interrupt me. So, uh, <laughs> not a good start. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no. Yeah, I do. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> So here's, here's what we're teaching, our Remarkable Families this weekend. And I, before I give it to Chris, let me, let me say this. We're not setting ourselves up 
that um, for, I, I, it would be a real mistake if all you get out of this are a couple of principles on parenting children. Yeah. The whole thing is gonna be about the faithfulness of God. Uh, we all, I don't care how good of a parent you are, I don't care how much you love your children, and I don't care what your investment level is, the truth of the matter is none of us are good enough to be great. We all need God, don't we? Yes. Yes. And what we trust in and what yeah. we put our hope in is that God is faithful, that God takes what we offer and he's able to multiply that. He's the God who is more than enough. So we don't wanna set this up like, hey, look at us, we think we're remarkable parents. We think we serve a remarkable God. Amen. And that's what we're trying to set up in this series. So let me, let me just quickly introduce Chris. Uh, I asked her when we were, were tell, me, tell me just some things that you would describe about yourself. So here, here's what she said. Uh, she's a wife. She's the mom of five kids. She's the grandma or the nana of six grandkids, two great son-in-laws. She loves to decorate and look at magazines. <laughs> that's what she yeah. said about herself. <laughs> we just got back from a weekend uh, at Disneyland with our grandkids, and we survived. <laughs> that's, the, that's the greatest thing to say about that. We actually had a blast. But uh, as, as we go into to teach on this right here, the truth is I can't uh, recommend or have anybody else up here that I would rather have teach with me, especially on this subject right here. This is my partner. This is my wife and my best friend in the world. And church, uh, listen up to what she has to say because she has a lot of wisdom and this is something that's right in her wheelhouse. So baby, why don't you jump in at that point right there? <laughs> So thank you, honey. That's, that's very nice of you to say all those wonderful things about myself. <laughs> um, but I do like looking at magazines because they inspire me. But those little grandkids of mine, whew, they enrich me. They do something to my soul that I can't even describe. Those of you who are, who are nanas and papas and grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. They're, it's a special thing. But this weekend, we're talking about Moses versus Jesus. John 1, 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So when they are little, you need to be Moses, the lawgiver. So my children called me Moses. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that was good. Okay. No, they, they called me Hi, mom, the lawgiver. No, I'm just kidding. You do need to be a lawgiver. Let me give you a wonderful example. In the time when my kids were little, Amy and Brent were little kids, and they were about two, three, one and two years old. They're about 13 months apart. And I would be hanging out with my sister and we'd go out to restaurants and they were kind of like out of control. They were in and out of high chairs. They were <laughs> yelling. They were crying. They were screaming. It was not fun to sit next to us in a restaurant. And my sister had three small kids, and they were, you know, all pretty close in age, too. But she finally sat me down one day, and she said, Chris, you need to get control over your children. And I'm like, oh, I am the adult. I guess I do need to be in control a little bit. So I had to reevaluate some of my parenting skills. And I, I recalled, as I was thinking about all this, I kind of wanted to be that great mom and that friend. But the Lord spoke to me at that time and said, you're not their friend, you're their mom. Be their mom, show them the law when they're little, and it's gonna give them peace when they grow up. Did you wanna say something? No. Okay, so he took a breath. I thought he might wanna say something. I have to breathe. <laughs> I'm going to whistle when he's talking. 
Okay, so when they're little, be like Moses, the lawgiver. When they get older, you must transition to grace and truth. For an example, dating. So many people have asked John and myself, what is that age? What's that magical age of dating? Well, for us, each of it was different for each child. It just depended on their maturity and which ones were capable and ready to handle a relationship or a breakup. And so we just based dating on their maturity level as we did with going to parties or how about when they were able to stay at home alone without us when we were out of town. All that was based on different ages for different children. And so you have to remember that when they're small, you're Moses and you're the lawgiver, but as they get older, you need to begin to show them grace and truth. Do you want to add that to the strong-willed child? <laughs> yes, I would be happy to add that to the strong-willed child. So uh, I, I think that with our kids, um, it's probably true for, for everyone. You have five, five different personalities. So yeah. a three of the five were compliant. Raise an eyebrow, and they got back in line. I don't know if any of you experienced that. It's a wonderful thing to have. You don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to. You just look the wrong way, and they'll burst into tears and line back up. But then we got two that were like me. <laughs> and, and compliant wasn't in uh, their understanding. And it took more than, than just um, raising an eyebrow or just saying, hey, that's wrong. They would challenge. They would test. It was almost as though uh, their, their motivation was, I need to find out what the limits yeah. are in the situation. All right, so when you have that right there, what, what, what Chris is saying is that when they're little, You've got to be the law. You, yep. you, can't, you can't go, okay, um, we're, we're here to be best friends and just make them feel good about themselves. You're the law. What you do now, if you don't discipline now, society is going to do it later when they're adults. And it's a hard lesson for a kid to learn later. But there's a transition point that has to happen with those kids. If you try to be the law when they hit that adolescent, young adult age, now you've created a situation where a kid rebels against that. And while you may be able to get conformity in front of yes. you, here's the deal. We've all, if you're raising children or you've seen this, you can have a kid when they walk in, tell them, sit down, sit down, sit down to try to get control. You can force a kid to sit, but on the inside they're standing. Yes. Been there? So what happens when that kid is out from underneath your supervision? They stand. They're going to do what they want. That, the law will never hold a kid in place. What holds a person in place? What holds them in place is their own understanding of what God says. Does this make sense? Yeah. All right, so when they're little, you're the law. When they become older, you have to transition to grace and truth. Now, so you sit here and you hear, okay, how, how do you do that? Is it like when they're 15 or they're 16? No, it's based on the kid. It's based on where the kid is at. The ones that were easier to discipline and compliant, they just seemed to, by the time they were 15 and 16, they seemed to be 21, 22. They understood. They got it. Some of the ones, when they were 15 or 16, seemed to be five or six still. And they wanted to drive. I, I would be fearful for our neighborhood to turn some of those kids over to. So we allowed it to be a situation where we would, we would look at their age maturity-wise and then let that be the thing that would start to help us teach grace and truth rather than the law. Maturity had a great deal to do with how we did that right there. Yes. Um, 
And it's important to remember our pastor, John Stocker, had a great quote that we learned many years ago. And it was, a child develops how he or she responds to discipline by the time they are 18 to 24 months old. Wow. If you are the law and doing all those things when they're young, I mean little, it's going to translate when they get older. They're going to understand what that is. So discipline them when they are little and it won't be as difficult when the grace and the truth season comes along. It's important to recognize when to transition from the law to grace and truth. And John mentioned that if you lag on transitioning to grace and truth, you most likely will get a rebellious child. And I think it was toughest to learn with our first child, Amy, because at that point, I was pretty good at being in control and understanding what my role was as a mother and how to discipline. But when it became that time for me to transition to grace and truth, I lagged. But I have a wonderful husband and this great person in my life that came to me and just said, Chris, we've got to start letting go a little bit. We, start, we have to start giving Amy some leeway here. I remember one time she, um, she was at Red Robin and one of our rules was, hey, she's about 15, 14, 15, and she wasn't supposed to hang out with boys because she's beautiful. And we were just like a little fearful of that situation. And so I remember her calling and she calls up and she's furious. Mom, I cannot believe you've got to come pick me up. There's boys that joined us for dinner and you said I cannot, you know, hang out with boys. And first of all, I was just like, wow, she listened. (laughs) This is great because we would have never found out. But at that point, I started realizing, man, this girl is trustworthy. She's responsible. She's never done anything for me to think that she's not capable of handling the situation. And so at that point, I began to let my hands off and began to switch over to grace and truth. And so I have a little statement. It seems as though this is the hardest to figure out with the firstborn. It's our nature to control and to not let go, but let go. Let it go, let it go. Okay, right? Everyone knows that song. Okay, so I thought I'd get the choir singing with me. But anyways, so this portion of the message, I get to turn over to John. But I want to read to you a couple of the things that he told me. But I want to say the part that he's going to be talking about in this message was revelation for me. When I look back on us parenting, When we begin to understand the grace and truth and what John's going to talk about, it transformed us, and it's going to transform all of you that hear. So John is 50. He's my husband. He's a father. He's a papa. He's Cajun, and I want to add he loves Cajun food, and I can cook it. Yay! He's a leader, and I want to add he's a leader amongst leaders. He's a bad golfer. I want to add he's not. He's not. He is not at all. But that's what he wanted me to say. So, and he loves to ride motorcycles. So, John, everybody welcome my husband, John. All right. <clears throat> can you tell that Chris and I are opposites of each other? Can you, can you tell that? So we're sitting here. I don't know if you can see the give and take. We had rehearsed this ahead of time, and our give and take did not go at all like it was supposed to go. 
And I don't know if you could tell her or not. I only say that because you may be sitting here thinking, gosh, you know, I, I wish we had a marriage like that. Or I, I wish our, our, our relationship was just easy like that. You, th- this, this is work, man. This is hard, hard work. 30 years we're married and we're still, I don't know if you could tell her. Maybe we've learned to cover it a little yeah, easier maybe. and be a little more forgiving, a little, little easier going. But it's still just the difference in how we approach it. I can, I can see just the, the, anyway. All right. So I call mine, uh, I, I put mine 33.3 versus 99.9. 33.3 verses 99.9. Use John 14, 6. Now, it's a pretty familiar scripture. Uh, if you know the Bible, you've probably seen this scripture. Uh, Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples and makes this statement. Uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, what a statement that Christ makes about himself right here. Uh, if you're ever challenged on that, you know, there are many good teachers out there. And, and Jesus is uh, a way, maybe not the way. Well, here's, here's what Jesus says about himself. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one gets to God without coming through me. That's what Jesus said. And as believers, this is what we hold on to. Now, I, I, theologically, it's a really powerful statement. And if we were just going to go after a, a message tonight that was on apologetics, why we believe what we believe, or why do we believe Jesus is who he said he is, I could use this scripture to go down that road right there. But it's also a great scripture. And the older I get, the more I realize you can take all of scripture, and it has so many meanings for so many things in life. Yeah, right. let, me, let me give you an example here. This is a great way to live life scripture. Yes. It's a great, great way to raise children scripture. And, and, and let, me, let me show you what I mean right here. So he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I think he's giving a philosophy for how to live life, how to raise children, how, how to be an employer, how to be an employee, how to be a husband, how to be a, a wife. Uh, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I think it's a formula for life. And each one is a third that equals a whole. And I had uh, one of our pastors the other day. Uh, a person that I trust a great deal, someone that, that uh, I, I've opened my life and he, and he speaks into my life and I admire where he's at in life. But he made this statement about the scripture and it just stuck with me. And uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to just go into it from there. Um, I think it's a great life parenting truth that has to do with balance. Yes. Balance. I think that as we parent, he gives three ingredients that a parent should add to their parenting, the way, the truth, and the life. And I wrote down, parents tend to be one of these three, and you must be all three to get fruit in life. All right, let, let me give you an example. So this pastor, this on our staff that I respect, raised his children, and as he's raised his children, looking at them, uh, he and his wife are talking about the fruit that they're getting in their children's lives, and, and one of them is struggling right now with faith, struggling right now with, with, with whether they, they, um, they get everything. And, and I think we all go through those times. And, and, and the, the, the remark was made, well, we raise them with the truth. We raise them with the truth. And this pastor said, yes, but we also needed to raise them with the way and the life in order to bring balance to them. And sometimes we just think as believing parents, as long as we give them the truth, 
That, that's what they need, the truth. Well, here, here's what I would say. I was just talking to our pastors downstairs, and, and I just threw this out. I said, does anybody remember um, what Newton's third law of motion is? And of course, we all talk about those things every day, so we know them, right? Here, here's what it is in a nutshell. For every action, there's an equal and opposite. Yes. Wow, you do know it. Smart group of people. For every action, there's an equal and an opposite reaction. Let me talk very quickly about unintended consequences. Have you ever done something thinking it's the right thing to do and end up with a different result than you wanted? So all right, let, let me talk about the law here. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Let's look at the truth as being the law. If all you are is truth, you will produce a person who understands the truth, but the truth by itself also produces fear. Newton's, Newton's third law of motion, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If all you give is truth, you're just like, this is the truth and nothing else. You also produce fear in a person. But let's go to the other side of it. Uh, he said, I'm the way. Let, let's use the way as the idea of grace. We, we raise a person. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go, in the way they should go. Let's say that we teach them grace. If all we teach is grace then what can happen is a disrespect for truth. That's good. And a disrespect for authority and a disrespect for honor. Now, how about Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Let's use the life as, here's the lifestyle that, that we live as believers. If all you teach is lifestyle, but you don't treat, teach the way and the truth, you'll produce a person who gets a religious inspiration but not a reality to their religion. Does that make sense? Yes. And you've got to have all three of these things to get balance in life. So let me give you a great example. I used this uh, uh, several, several series ago. We were talking about balance, and I used the idea of a tire. When you, when you get a new car, it's in balance. But the longer you drive that car, just wear and tear ends up bringing a tire out of balance. And if you don't get it balanced, you develop a wear pattern in a tire. All right, now you've got two choices. Turn the radio up louder, <laughs> drive faster, or stop and make an adjustment. Get balance. If you don't get balance in a tire, eventually you're going to have a blowout. And when you have a blowout, now you've got a major issue that has to be addressed. Here's what happens in life. When you run out of balance for so long, you get a wear pattern. And a wear pattern unaddressed produces a blowout. And when you have a blowout, now you have to fix it with a major transition. That's good. Does that make sense? So that when you're raising your children, gosh, you've got to be one third. One, you've got to be the way, you've got to be the truth, and you've got to be the life. All right, so we just taught this. When they're little, be the law. It's easy. Be the law. Don't lose that battle, parents. No. Yep. Don't lose that battle. And, and if you think to yourself, how important is it to win that battle? It's everything. But when they get to be a little bit older, you've got to start realizing, all right, now there's more than just the truth, more than just the law. There's the way and the life. And you've got to be able to transition that. And I think this, however you were raised <laughs> is sort of the way that you parent your children too. Absolutely. I was raised in a very legalistic upbringing. I was raised early on. This is right and this is wrong. Here's the list and walk by the list. Anybody else ever get handed that list? Yep. Three of us. Right on. 
The three people know what I'm talking about. You kept that list. You kept it in order to be righteous. You kept it in order to be good. You kept it because it was the right thing to do. You kept it regardless of what anybody else thought about it. But here was the problem. If that's all you know, then you tend to raise your children that exact same way. And the idea of getting fruit, man. So that when you come into a message like this, maybe you're sitting there and thinking, you know, I've been this way, this one way. I want to swing back over. Here's what I learned. When I came out of legalism, I swung all the way over to sloppy agape. (laughs) I went from all law to being all grace. But you then get a disrespect for the law. You've got to be in the middle to get fruit from the life of your kid. You don't get it any other way. All right, now, let me me do this. So you're sitting here maybe, uh, maybe you're one of four people tonight. Maybe you are raising your children and this is right where you're living, applicable message. Maybe like us, you're empty nesters. You've already raised your children and you're thinking to yourself, too late. Maybe you're not married and the last thing in your mind is, I don't want children. (laughs) Maybe you're trying to have children. It's the desire of your heart and it's just not happened yet. Wherever you're at in life, let me, let me take, let's go back from this message a little bit and look at it from this point of view. The last thing I would want any person who hears this message to do is to go home, think, okay, I've got some principles now, off I go. That principles are great, but the problem with, the only difference between church and some parenting seminar to school is the fact that we have God. And if you leave here with just some principles, you you could have gone to a parenting seminar and gotten principles. Let me tell you what our real hope is here. There's a scripture that I threw in at the bottom of the notes. It comes from the Old Testament, and it's a really, man, it's a powerful understanding of God's faithfulness. God speaking, first person says, I punish the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. So look at God himself saying this. I'll visit upon the children's children the sin of the mom and the dad if they hate me. But then he makes this statement, and this is where the life of God is at for us. But I show love to a thousand generations for those who love me and keep my commandments. All right, look at this. Our failure, man, it may do this little dent and it may do that little fault and it may have this little problem. But when we love God, what we have is a promise that if you love me and you serve me, I will be faithful to the thousandth generation in your line. Wow. And that is the difference. Look, you could leave here uh, this weekend. You could go, I got a few principles that I could go and try to apply. I'm gonna tell you right now, that would be the worst thing that could happen. Here's what I want you to do. You have the faithfulness of God on your side that you can apply in any situation in life. And I think what's being said here is just simply this. When we give God the best we have to give, God's able to take it and multiply it and make it last to a thousand generations after us. 
And I would rather count on the faithfulness of God than the ability for Chris and I to be good parents to our children. I would rather count on God's ability to multiply out all of these things in our children's lives than for Chris and I to try to remember, oh, we've got to do this and we've got to be this and we've got to be balanced and everything. All that happens if you leave here with principles, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to get principles into your kid's life. But if you leave here going, God, you are faithful and we trust your faithfulness. As we try to work this out before you, you have the key to success in life. To the thousandth generation, God remains faithful to us. That's our hope. That's our future. That's our security. All right, we thought how, because it's a message that sort of focuses a little bit on children, how do we transition that, that engagement time with God to be something that everybody can partake of? I think that's the way. It's the faithfulness of God. We take communion. And when we're taking communion, one of the things we're doing, we're reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness to us. His promise that I've given myself for you, that I am your groom, you are my bride, and when you take this, remind yourself that my promises are for you and they're still available today. So we asked at all of our campus to set our communion up this way this weekend. We're going to have tables. You'll have it at the crosses still, but we're going to have tables all around. Our auditoriums. And in them we set on it the bread and the juice and the wine. They're clearly marked. If you're here as a family, maybe you want to partake of communion as a family. If you're here as a single, maybe you just want to partake by yourself of God's faithfulness. If you're here with friends, maybe you just want to come as friends and take communion and remind yourself of God's faithfulness. It doesn't matter how you do it, but the opportunity to be able to do it is here. What you do when you come, our tradition, take the bread, break it, and dip it in the cup. If you're Adverse to wine, use the juice. If wine is okay, use the wine. Don't pick the cup up and drink it. That's not what we do. (laughs) You're like, I've got to have that. Buy a bottle on the way home. But this is what we do. (laughs) Dip it in the cup and then eat it. And we would just invite you to partake of this over the faithfulness of God. If it's about your children, wonderful. If it's about your marriage, wonderful. If it's about your life with God, your hopes, your dreams, whatever God's given you, it's his faithfulness that puts us all on the same plane in this room today. It's this faithfulness that every campus has the opportunity to participate with. So I'm going to lead you in prayer. And then as our worship teams get in place and they, they, they take us into that time, use the communion as your focal point to remember God's faithfulness in your life. Call upon his faithfulness to the thousandth generation and trust him. So Father, we open our hearts and our lives to you today. God, as much as we believe in good parenting, as much as we believe, God, that there are principles from the word that make a difference, as much as we believe, God, that what we sow is what we reap, I also believe that you are merciful I also believe, God, that you are able, you are capable, and that your ability is greater than our ability. Father, today as we focus on this time, 
We ask that you would take it. You would make it what it's supposed to be. That God, your faithfulness would be known to each person at all of our campuses as they hear this message. Maybe, Lord, if they're not even attending this weekend, but they hear the message, wherever they are, let them recognize they can commune with you right now over your faithfulness. You're always faithful. God, no matter how many times we blow it, you're always faithful. You're always faithful. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And we connect to that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And as you feel led, go ahead and enjoy communion.